that they, they sent to us in advance, they said, make sure you read this about how to host these kids, how to host these, these, uh, these African orphans. And on the sheet, it, 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 we got down to one point and it said, uh, it said they really, really like bath time. Okay? They really like bath time. You know, what does that mean? And it went on to talk about how these orphans, these, these Ugandan orphans, really, really like being cleansed, really, really like being clean. Apparently, they take a bath in the morning, sometimes a bath in the afternoon, and a bath at night just to be clean. And my wife and I found that to be the case. Toward the uh, end of each evening, uh, they would kind of say goodbye after dinner, and they'd go up in the bathroom, and they would be bathing, cleansing themselves for literally an hour at a time. They wanted their whole body cleansed. It was a matter of culture for them. In Uganda, apparently it is, it is vitally important to cleanse the whole body, to spend a great deal of time purifying your entire person. The entire person, Peter says, is being cleansed of these Christians to whom he writes. Their entire person has being, is being purified. How are they being purified is the question. How is their entire person being cleansed? The purification Peter speaks of encompasses a process of cleansing. If you'll notice in verse 23, it begins with spiritual rebirth. Look at verse 23. Peter says this, Having been born again, born again, spiritually reborn, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. How are Christians purified? How are the, the audience, how is the audience to whom Peter writes, how are they cleansed? First, it begins with being born again. Christians experience spiritual rebirth, the first component of their cleansing, by believing in Jesus Christ. The first component of our cleansing, according to 1 Peter, is our spiritual rebirth. We are cleansed at that moment in time. Secondly, it encompasses separating ourselves from the things of this world. Peter speaks in verse 14, prior to our study today, of the former lusts. And he emphasizes what these lusts look like in chapter 4, verse 3, if you want to turn there to take a look. He also speaks of being cleansed, being purified, set apart from aimless conduct that was their heritage in verse 18. He says, put away the old man, put away the old culture, and be purified, be cleansed in separating yourselves. And third, it involves in our verse, in verse 22, obeying the truth in partnership with the Spirit. That's what it says in verse 22. Notice, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, that is the means by which we are continually cleansed. Obeying the truth of God in partnership with the Spirit of God who lives and abides in us, who helps us obey God's truth. Now why am I spending so much time on this aspect of purification? I thought we were talking about love. Well, we are talking about love. What is the purpose of purification? Why is it important for a Christian to seek this full and complete bodily, entirely, entire bodily cleansing? The answer might surprise you. Peter says the answer in verse 22. He says they've purified their souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in 
sincere love of the brethren. That word in there actually has a directional focus. Peter's saying, you've purified yourselves toward, toward this end, toward this purpose, sincere love of the brethren. You purify yourselves for the purpose, toward this goal, with this end of sincerely loving the brethren. Now Peter has been describing thus far how God works in, with, and through us to cleanse us. And the focus of this purification, he makes, he makes an odd statement to me. I wouldn't look at purification as so that I can reach the goal of sincerely loving my brothers and sisters. I wouldn't normally think of it in those terms. But Peter says it twice. Look what he says at the end of verse 22. He gives them a command. He says, love one another fervently with a pure heart. It's as if to say, in case you just missed what I told you, I'm going to command it. You are purified. You are cleansed so that you will love. You are cleansed by God, both in your spiritual rebirth in your process of sanctification by separating yourselves from the world and obeying the truth by the Spirit, you do this to love. So that you can love. How does our purification lead to love? That's a great question. How does our purification, our cleansing, lead to love? Take a look at 1 John chapter 3. It'll be on the screen behind you. You don't have to turn there. 1 John chapter 3. I selected this passage because I believe it fully answers this question and fully is within the context and the flow of what Peter is trying to communicate. And John does a magnificent job communicating this here. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. How does purification lead to love? Look at this. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, that is Jesus, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself, just as He is pure. How does our purification lead to love? Friends, what God is doing in you to purify you, to make you more like His Son, Jesus Christ, it is an expression of His love to you. What God is doing in you to purify you is an an expression, is an outpouring of His love. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. It is a love that allows us to be called God's children. John says it's a love that helps us to be made into the likeness of Jesus Christ. It is a love that gives us hope that we will one day see and be with God. It is a love that motivates us to purify ourselves in the here and now as an expression of the gratefulness that we have toward God who first loved 
us. How does our purification lead to love? Our purification is made possible. It is made possible because of God's love toward us. As we are purified, as we are cleansed by spiritual rebirth, separation from the world, obedience to the truth in the Spirit, as we are purified and cleansed and made into the image of Jesus, it is only fitting that we respond to God's love toward us by loving one another. That is how purification leads to love. Peter wants to help us recognize that what that the purification being produced in us is not a product of man-made effort. Instead, our cleansing is grounded in the incorruptible truth of God as expressed in His Word. Take a look again at verse 23. He says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Our spiritual rebirth, friends, was not a product of earthly means. Our regeneration, our new birth, is grounded in the firm and enduring testimony of God's Word. When we open up our Bibles, when we open up God's Word, when we look into it, we find hope for our earthly lives grounded in the sure testimony of Jesus Christ. In it, we find an incorruptible message. An incorruptible message. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Incorruptible message. It will not decay. And I ask you very plainly, have you received this message? Jesus is the Savior. He offers you spiritual rebirth leading to purification and cleansing. He offers you eternal life with God forever. And He said very clearly that what it takes to get this spiritual rebirth, to get this cleansing, is to believe in Him for it. Believe in Jesus and you will be a child of God. This message does not grow old. It does not fade. It does not wither away. Look at verse 24. Peter uses a contrast here between the incorruptible message of God and the perishability of man. Verse 24, because, quote, all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. This is a quotation from Isaiah chapter 40. Peter uses this strategically to make us see a vivid contrast between the incorruptible truths of God and the passing glory of humanity in this world. He likens man and women to grass and flowers that wither and fade away. In sharp contrast to the glory of man, which is short-lived, Peter declares that the word of the Lord endures forever. 
That phrase, the word of the Lord, is typically, typically used in Scripture as an expression of prophetic utterances. In essence, Peter means simply to say, what God has said will come to pass. What God has said will come to pass. And since Peter has just finished a discussion on our spiritual rebirth, it is only natural for him to go on to say, now this word, this testimony, which by the, is the same word which by the Gospel was preached to you. That is to say, and this word, this spiritual rebirth message, is the good news that has been preached to you. This is it. This is that glorious message. Chapter 2, verse 1. Peter is now going to jump back to his topic of purification. And he is going to remind us again, to focus us in on Christian sanctification, growth leading to love. Take a look at chapter 2, verse 1. Peter says this, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word. Laying aside means putting off, setting aside the former ways of life, the former lusts, things like malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking. This is what you were formerly associated with, Peter says, and now it is high time as people who are being purified to put these things aside. Instead, as newborn babies, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word. That word uh, desire there, it means to yearn or to long for. To yearn or to long for. And what are we yearning or longing for? The pure milk of the Word. Literally translated, it would mean pure spiritual milk. The word Word is added to help us understand and and comprehend what Peter is saying here. In essence, literally speaking, he's saying yearn for pure spiritual milk. And as babies, I I think of uh, my son. And I know that... uh, you know, when it's feeding time in the Anderson household, he's six months old now, and when, you know, every four hours, he, it's feeding time. And when it's feeding time, boy, you know it, right? Because what does a baby do when it's feeding time? They cry, that's right. And so my son lets my wife and I know very clearly, hey, it's time to eat. And his cry is, you know, it's, it's a pretty good cry, isn't it, honey? All right. He cries nice and loud, and we know it's time to eat. But you know what the funny thing is? When my son is being fed by my wife, he, it, it, is, it is his, his moment of his day. He wants to be fed. He desires it. He longs for it. In fact, when I try to have a conversation with my wife during feeding time, my son gets angry. He gets mad. He's like, Dad, hey, this is my time. I got to eat right now. Go away. I mean, I, I, have to, you know, I have to pretty much leave the room because he does not want Casey and I to have a discussion while he is eating. That is his time. Peter is using this as an illustration. He's saying, you, you guys know what it's like when a baby wants to be fed. They yearn for it. They long for it. It is their time of the day to be nourished, to be fed, 
to be given their sustenance. They desperately need it to grow and to be healthy and strong. Friends, Peter says our spiritual life, little different. No different. Our spiritual life is no different. We also, as babies desire the milk of their mother, we also, if we intend to grow, to be healthy and strong in Christ, we must desire the pure spiritual milk of God's Word. We must desire it. We must yearn for time in this book with God. What is the purpose of our yearning, of our longing for the, for the milk of the Word? That you may grow thereby, Peter says. That you may grow by it. What kind of growth are we looking for? Well, Peter's been discussing it all along. The whole focus of this portion of Scripture is purification leading unto love. Two things uh, in particular that we we have seen thus far. Peter Peter has been saying our growth is toward future purification. How we grow is to be purified. We grow toward future purification. And secondly, we grow with the end goal of love. We grow toward the end goal of love. And so I ask very simply, how do we become a person who loves? How do we become a loving person? Let's answer this very clearly right now. First, regularly contemplate your identity in Jesus Christ. That is what Peter says. He says, A, you have been spiritually reborn. Given everlasting life in verse 23. This is who you are. Secondly, the Holy Spirit lives in you and is helping you to obey the truth. If you contemplate this, if you contemplate these spiritual truths, you will be motivated and spurred on to love. Finally, Peter says, number two, expose yourself regularly to God's Word. In chapter 2, verse 2, desire the pure milk of the Word. Friends, verse 22 is what starts this whole discussion. He gives a command. Love one another fervently. That is the focus, the focal point of what Peter is saying in this portion of Scripture today. And surrounding it, he says, how do you love? How do you accomplish this? You get purified. You get purified by contemplating your identity in Christ, by obeying the truth by the Spirit of God within you, by exposing yourself to the pure milk of the Word. If you want to be a person who loves, if you want to know what enables your, your ability to love, it is this. It is these things that enable you to love. And I want to say very clearly, notice there, there isn't mention here of working hard at loving people. Peter doesn't give a pep talk on the various tasks that we can perform in order to be considered loving individuals. That's not his purpose. Instead, Peter says, you think about who you are in Jesus Christ. Instead, Peter says, you, like a baby desiring their mother's milk, you desire God's Word. And you will become a person of love. It's not a matter of trying harder to be a person of love. It's a matter of learning more about who you are in God's eyes and exposing yourself 
to the truth of God. In our melting pot uh, young families group, we've been studying a little bit somewhat related to this topic. We have a young families Bible study every other Friday night. We've been reading a book. I brought it up here. Um, I would rarely uh, do this. I'd rarely give a plug for a book in a sermon. But, but I believe that this book really does emphasize what Peter's trying to communicate today. It's called Six Secrets of the Christian Life by Zane Hodges. We, we have some available if, if you'd like and, and um, pay what you will. And, and, and I want you to just read this book. It's an important book. In it... This book centers on the topic of spiritually, spiritual formation. How we can grow in Christ. And Hodges' basic point, the author's basic point is this. And he substantiates it time and time again in Scripture. He says that human effort, if you look in the Word of God, it's very clear. Human effort in and of itself cannot possibly, cannot possibly accomplish our growth in Christ. It is not human effort that accomplishes this. How do we grow? The Spirit of God in us uses the Word of God to change us. That's how we grow. It is not a matter of human effort. It is not a matter of trying harder to be a person who loves. It is about contemplating who you are in Christ Remembering your identity, your family name in Jesus Christ. And it is about opening up the Word of God that the Spirit of God within you can start working change in your heart. It's about response. Our response to God. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to change us. That is how we become people who love. Are you lacking in love? I would venture to say this. I would venture to say that you are not currently, habitually and regularly, exposing yourself to God's Word. Is your marriage suffering? Are you experiencing problems in loving other people? Maybe you just, you just you don't want to love people. You don't want to show care and concern for them. You, 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 it's an obstacle for you. It's an impediment. <coughs> it's a burden. You know why that is? Because you're not in this. Because if you were in this, the Spirit of God would be changing you. Because the Spirit of God uses the truth of God to mold us and shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. Amen? If you are finding yourself stunted in your Christian life and growth, stunted in your ability to love, I tell you very plainly, expose yourself to God's Word. Learn who you are in Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of God will use this to make you into a person who loves, a person who is filled with goodness and righteousness, purified and cleansed. You know, my mom... Uh, toward, toward my, I remember in my latter high school years, my mom really, uh, I think, uh, started to become very, very serious about her faith. She was always a, a, a wonderful Christian woman, but I, I saw toward the end of my high school days uh, a real invigorated sense of, uh, desi- of her desire to grow spiritually. And one thing I noticed about my mom in high school was she began to leave the Bible open on our, on our dining room table. 
I would walk in from school and I would know instinctively that my mom had been reading the Word of God over the day because the Bible was open on the table where we would eat. That's a simple thing to do. I encourage us to leave a Bible open in our home. Leave a Bible open. Because what that's going to tell your family and what's going to, what it's going to remind you is that I need to be looking into this every day. This is how I grow. And I, I exhort you to leave a Bible open on your dining room table or in a spot in your home where your kids, your family, the people that come to your house can see that you are concerned about reading God's Word so that you can change. Leave an open Bible in your home. Finally, verse 3. Well, verse 1 to 3 here. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. If, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious... Very quickly, that word if there actually has the, has the understanding of since. It's a condition in Scripture, but Peter, it's a condition that says, I, I'm assuming you're doing this. You believe that the Lord is gracious, and that is why you desire this. Since, indeed, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The NIV renders it now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And also that word taste. Very briefly, I want to point that out. This is important to be aware of as you study your Bibles. That word taste, it means a full experience. It does not mean to nibble on something like we might understand in English. No. This is a full experience of taking in the goodness of the Lord. Scriptures speak about Jesus tasting death. Well, he didn't taste death. He died. And so the word tasted there meant to have a full experience And that word is especially critical when you come to Hebrews chapter 6. The word taste there must be understood as a full experience with God. As we close out our time here today, I want to read one more passage of Scripture that I find very fitting, very apropos to what we've studied today. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. Take a look. Paul says this, Therefore... As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on. First Peter says, put aside the evil things. Paul says, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint with a, against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all, but above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were also called in one body. And be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, abundantly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Friends, the way we put on love, the way we put on the righteousness of Christ, the way we become people who are able to grow in love is to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. As Peter says, to desire the pure milk of the Word. I want to leave you with this final thought. Continually 
read, study, and meditate on God's Word that the Holy Spirit who lives in you might make you more like Jesus Christ, full of grace, truth, and love. Friends, that is how we become a person who loves. I pray that we would take heed to these words and that we ourselves would be changed by the truth of God which we've been exposed to. Now the Spirit of God is going to use this teaching, this time in His Word, to change us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for the clear truth of Your Word. I thank You, Lord, that we have the privilege to have a copy in our hands of Your truth. Father, it is a privilege to be able to open up Your Word, to expose our spirit to it, and to see Your Spirit, Lord, Use it to change us. Father, we desire to be people who love. We wonder sometimes, Lord, what enables our love? How can we cultivate it, spur it on, motivate it? Father, Peter has told us very plainly, the way we love is to look into Your Word, to see who we are in You, and to let the Spirit of God mold us and shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. This is our prayer, that you would do this in us. We thank you in advance for changing us. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.